So those of you who have been in our services for a while with this series know that this is sort of our standard bumper, but uh, our production guys had a little bit of fun with it this morning. Is that This looks like a video game from the 80s, and so that's what that was. If you want to see it again, let's roll that at the very end of the service so we can enjoy it again, maybe with a deeper sense of what we're experiencing. That can be confusing for folks. Hey, we are in a series that's lasting us the entire year-long called Core 52, 52 weeks that we're doing this where we are looking at the different key concepts that the scriptures talk about that are important for us to understand, understand how we are, understand how God is, who God is, and particularly about some things that he wants us to know about, key concepts that, that challenge us and change us so that our thinking becomes more like his. Today, are you in luck because we're talking about money. Can I just hear it woohoo? I know, isn't it exciting? In addition to this exciting topic, we've got some other exciting things happening. If you look over here in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, do you see a little red flashing light? We are all fancy here at Sherwood Oaks Bedford. This is our parental alert system. So if your child, this is only for children in nursery, parents of teenagers, um, if your child is causing or having, let's just, just let's assume best case scenario, your child is having a meltdown and the workers have done their best to soothe and console, but nothing seems to be working, your little number that you get when you, when you register your child will show up right there. Whoever number 35 is, that would be your number. There's no child 35 this morning, I, I don't think. Um, but I know it can be awkward. When parents, you see your kid's name, your number called, and you're like, oh, no, not little Johnny again. So today, we're just going to erase the shame. Fear go back to hell. Shame can go there, too. We're going to, we're going to erase the shame. One of, one of my favorite, mem- favorite movies growing up was Jurassic Park. Any Jurassic Park fans? Jeff Goldblum is, a, is one of the key reasons I love this movie. Jeff Goldblum's character is assured by the scientist that there's no way these dinosaurs can can procreate. There's no way this is going to get out of hand. And Jeff Goldblum has this line. He says this. Now, you have to picture Jeff Goldblum's voice. He says, I'm simply saying that uh, life uh, finds a way. And for those of you young parents, life has found a way, (laughs) maybe despite your efforts to not, but that nursery is full of uh, examples of how life just found a way. And so, if your child's number gets called today, I've got a special Jeff Goldblum sequined pillow that is yours. Now, here's the rule. If, if your number comes up, you have to walk to the front and get this, and we get a cheer. I don't care what we're talking about. It could be a deep, deeply moving story. I'm going to stop the deeply moving story so we can cheer you and your child and the fact that, that I'm getting rid of this Jeff Goldblum pillow and you're taking it home with you. So this is your prize today. If your child's name gets called, I'm just going to put it right here so you can admire it and, uh, and pray that your child causes a ruckus in the nursery. Kids, if you're in the room, and I think we've got maybe a few, I don't see, I see some, uh, I, uh, here's, here's the rule. I'm going to be talking about three things today. Mushrooms, beanie babies, and washing machines. So pay attention to those. 
But first I want to talk about my very first experience with money where I realized that money equaled power. <laughs> we were driving. I was 12 years old. We and our family were heading, I think, maybe to Florida. We were going through the mountains, you know, the, the sort of that Chattanooga area down through there. It was getting to the point where the family was getting hungry, and it was affecting our attitude. We used the word hangry, and back in 1972, we didn't know what that word meant, but that's what the people in the car were feeling. We were getting a little hangry, and it wasn't like you had places to stop all the time. This was the 70s, by the way. Civilization really hadn't developed that far. But finally, at about 7 o'clock, when Dad is ready just to kick us all in the car, we see this beautiful sign the fanciest restaurant that I knew of at the time. And it's like, <gasps> Ponderosa. We saw the Ponderosa. And Dad says, okay, well, we're going to stop and eat a Ponderosa. You know how it was. Remember Ponderosa in the 70s? You had the little rows that you had to, you know, walk up. And it's like the, the rodeo-style barriers. I knew when we pulled in the parking lot exactly what I wanted. I wanted a T-bone steak and a baked potato. Now, I was... I was young, and uh, the chances were really that I was going to get a hamburger and french fries. But you can dream, even at 12, you can dream. So we are, we're there in, in uh, going through the little, you know, cattle, cattle corral, and I see on the board, lit from behind, a golden glow. And I'm like, forget the T-bone and baked potato. That's what I want right there. It was a bowl of sautéed mushrooms. To this day, sautéed mushrooms, I thought, okay, I, 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 don't, I don't want anything else. All I want are those sautéed mushrooms. And, you know, you walk, you walk it, you see the sautéed mushrooms, and then you look and just keep an eye on those sautéed mushrooms. They're not going to go anywhere, but you just, you just want to make sure you keep it. Get to the counter, and Dad says, okay, what do you want? I said, I want those sautéed mushrooms. Dad looked at me like, what? I said, I want, I want the sautéed mushrooms, Dad. Sautéed mushrooms? No, you're not getting sautéed mushrooms. I can't. Uh, that's all I want. No, no. You're, you're going to get a real meal like the rest of us. <sighs> I want the sautéed mushrooms. The sautéed mushrooms are $1.25. We cannot afford the sautéed mushrooms. Now, at 55, I would probably look back and say, why are we going on a family vacation to Florida if you cannot afford a $1.25 sautéed mushroom? <laughs> but it made sense at the time. I'm like, oh, okay. But I swore then and there, when I got old and rich, I was going to have sautéed mushrooms every stinking day. I love money. <laughs> Can I just say it? I love it. I love money. One, because I have money, I can't afford to eat sautéed mushrooms every day if I wanted to. Money makes me feel rich. Money makes me feel powerful. No one can tell me that I can't eat sautéed mushrooms if I want. I got money, and that means I got power. There's a story in the Bible, an account, where Jesus encounters a young man like me. It's told in three different Gospels. Gospels are the, are the books of the Bible that tell the story of Jesus. Mark and Matthew and Luke tell this same story. In Mark, this young man is described as rich. In Matthew, he's described as young. And in Luke, he's described a, as a ruler. And so we know this young man, you may have heard his, his story growing up as the rich, young ruler. 
And we're going to read from Mark chapter 10. And if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there because there's some good stuff in here. But we've got the words up on the screen as well, I believe. So this is how Mark records his story. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, he was heading to another place of ministry. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Then he says, you, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you you shall not defraud, and you should honor your father and mother. And the young man says this, teacher, he says, I've, I've done this since I was a child. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him, looked at him and loved him. And he says, okay, one thing. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And at this, the scripture says, the young man's face fell. And he went away sad because he had great wealth. I'm pretty sure I was a young man when I first heard this story. I could not afford mushrooms on my own. I know that. But even then, I suspected that I myself could very well become this rich young ruler. What about you? Can you see yourself in this story in some way? So today, I'm not going to ask you to to sell all you have and give it to the poor. Jesus might, but I'm not going to. But I am going to ask you to open your mind and your heart and invite you to think about what it means to Consider money the way God considers money. Is that fair enough? Let's pray. Father, this morning we pray that the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart would implant themselves in us and that they would become our words in our heart as well. We want to speak, we want to think, we want to love and care for others, and we want to think and care about things in the same way that you do. So help us And transform our thinking so that we look in every way like you. In Jesus' name. Martin Luther, the great reformer, several centuries ago said this, There are three conversions that are necessary. The conversion of the heart, we say amen. The conversion of the mind, be transformed in your thinking, we say amen. And finally, the conversion of the purse. Oh, the rich young ruler struggled with the conversion of the purse. I suspect in this room that he is not alone. It's hard to talk about money. Even, even, even discussions about it within our family are very difficult. Parents will speak honestly and openly about sex and drugs and alcohol and the friends they've got and, and even death, but they won't talk about money. The most honest discussion, and I, my parents are amazing, the most honest discussion about money I had with my dad was when he was hopped up on surgery drugs. And uh, <laughs> we had a very enlightening conversation, by the way. Here's the deal. When we don't talk about money with our kids, our kids grow up clueless about money. 
you may have heard this story recently, about two weeks ago, at the Wharton School of Business, a, a renowned school of business, uh, a professor who was teaching her children the realities of economics asked them what they thought the average American worker made, and, and about 20% of them estimated the average American worker made in excess of six figures. One of the, one of the students estimated it as high as 800000 was the annual income of the average American worker. Now, if your average income is $800,000, we want to say welcome to Sherwood Oaks. We are, we are glad you are here. Have an extra donut. Trust, it's on, it's on me. But whether you make 1000 or 800000 here's the truth. Money matters. Money matters to you and me, and money matters to God. 10% of the teaching Jesus did, and, and, and Mark Moore goes through this in really good detail in the book if, you, if you're reading along, 10% of Jesus' teaching relates in some way to money. There are over 2,300 verses about money, almost double the number of verses that we have about faith, which is very interesting. God considers financial management to be spiritual faith development. So it's appropriate that we talk about money. That brings us to our core verse. Here it is in Matthew 6, 1921. Here is what Jesus teaches us about money. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. I had a conversation this past week with someone who had a shed and all their stuff was stored in it and water got in it. And you know what happened? It got destroyed. Talked to someone just out here earlier. They had a fire. Everything destroyed. He says, instead of storing it up here, store it up somewhere else. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. And here's the clincher. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's probably been, I know, maybe 25 years. I was serving at a church in Bloomington, Southside Christian Church. Had a great, great older couple there. We were having a party at, the, at their house, uh, sort of a church gathering. And I went down into their finished basement. The family room was down there and went down. And I was shocked by what I saw. Shocked. Imagine the worst thing, and then I'm going to tell you what it was. Beanie babies. Beanie babies lined the stairwell going down. They were heaped overflowing in these longer burger baskets, which is a sermon for another day. <laughs> they were lined up on the shelves, the bookshelves. She had a shelf around the walls up near the ceiling, and they were just lined up, lined up, lined up, lined up, lined up. And I walked upstairs and I said, what's up with the Beanie Babies? And she said this. She goes, well, that's my retirement. Now, to be fair, she wasn't completely crazy because large Wallace... A beanie baby. Do we have a picture of Large Wallace? There he is. He looks fairly unassuming, doesn't he? He sold for $600,000. Yeah. If you've got Large Wallace at home on a shelf, welcome to Sherwood Oaks. We are so glad you are here. <laughs> now, in, in 2022, we, we, we maybe have a little wiser approach to to our retirement investing than, than, than using Beanie Babies as that strategy. History teaches us that when we store up on earth uh, 
things. It can all be gone in an instant. In an instant. So God wants us to invest in things that won't be gone in an instant. Eternal things. If the rich young ruler were here today, here's what I want, would want him to learn. There's a quote by Richard Foster. He says this. Because it all belongs to God, it is a gift I hold lightly. And if someone needs it more than I do, I give it away. Now let's just leave that quote up there for a while because I want us to ponder the reality of this. It's, it's pretty radical. God owns everything. That's one of our core values here at Sherwood Oaks, by the way. We live like God owns everything. And not we don't just pretend he owns everything. He does own everything. And so we want our lives to to look like that. God owns everything, but he entrusts some of his stuff to me, and he entrusts some of his stuff to you. God wants you to manage that stuff that he entrusted to you. He wants you to manage it well, and here's what managing it well looks like time and time and time and time again in Scripture. Generosity. As I said, one of our values is living like God owns everything. And this truth came home to me several years back. I was living in Reno, Nevada. We were, we, our church met on the campus of the University of Reno. And so we would have young kids come out all the time. And I met one Sunday this young, this young guy and met him and, and invited him to come back to the, the apartment for dinner. I had, usually had people over for lunch. And so he came out and hung out. And then he walked away and I thought, I'll never see him again. Well, about three days later, I saw him on the sidewalk and he was carrying a bag and I pulled over and said, hey, what's going on? He goes, ah, I'm on the way to the laundromat. I don't have a washer and dryer at my, my apartment. And I said, you know what? Hop in. I'm, come up to my place. You can use my washer and dryer. In fact, we've got Bible study tonight. Just stick around for it. So, so he did. He brought his laundry, used my washer and dryer, stuck around for the Bible study. And in about a year and a half, I got the chance to, op- to baptize him up at Lake Tahoe really, really cool story, and it happened because I realized that my washing machine belonged to God, and that there was a redemptive story that that washing machine could tell. Psalm 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, and that means everything, everything, not just the glorious mountains and the Alps. I've been posting some pictures of places I've traveled. I, glorious. It's easy for us to look at those, those things and say, man, all praise to God. That is amazing, awe-inspiring, worship-inducing. But how many of us feel that way when we walk into our laundry room and we see our washer and dryer? Do we go, God, you are so awesome that you have a God story. You work through the ordinary and mundane because the truth is this, all of it is his. All of it is his. And all of it can point to and be used for his glory. If the rich young ruler were right here this morning, I would say this. Listen, rich young ruler, all of your stuff is God's stuff that he entrusts to our management. So manage it well. 
One of my favorite musicals is, is the story Hello, Dolly. Anyone familiar with the story Hello, Dolly? There's a character in there. Dolly Levi, she's a matchmaker. There's another character. His name is Horace Vandergelder, and it's a sort of a play, a joke on words. Vandergelder in German or Yiddish means of the money. So Horace of the money. Horace Richman is the way that we would say that. And, and she's trying to get him to relinquish his grip on his wealth just enough to let good things happen, to help others and to even help himself find a bride. And she says this to him. She goes, money, pardon the expression, is like manure. Ron, we talked about manure this morning. It's not worth a thing unless it's spread around encouraging young things to grow. That's a great line in a movie. But the truth is, it's a Bible line. Jesus tells the story of the stewards or the talents in Matthew 25. You can look up that story later. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But in the story of the stewards or the talents, God or the, the boss entrusts to his employ, employers, his servants, some money. The amount really doesn't matter. But if you know the story, you know that one of the amounts was worth like 15 years wages. It was a lot of money. And some got less but the amount is irrelevant. What matters is what they did with it. The stewards, the managers are commended because they, they spread it around and let young things grow with it. Except for one of them. One of them didn't. One of them hoarded and hid his wealth because he was afraid. We get afraid about money, don't we? Instead of investing it in others, he kept it. He tightened his grip on it. Now, <laughs> look at this. I want you to enjoy my friend Jeff in, in, good, in good faith. Are you both coming up? This is like, I feel like I should do some vows or something if you're going to take him home with you. There, there you go. There you go. Oh, yeah. Listen, uh, we may, I've got a lot of stuff I need to get away, get rid of. We might do this every Sunday. Good job, guys. Do we know whether, which, which little girl? Claret, you're pretty sure? No, you've already labeled her, I'm afraid. <laughs> Here's the deal. I don't make $800,000 a year, full transparency. That may shock you, but that's not what they pay me at Sherwood Oaks. But here, I don't get a pass on being generous just because I don't make a lot of money. Jesus makes it clear that even the steward who got the smallest amount had a responsibility to use that money wisely, to manage it wisely. And he says this, harsh words, harsh words. He says this, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. Mm. Here's the deal. I don't think God cares that much how much you've got. That's not his point. He cares what you do with what you've got. If the rich young ruler were sitting here this morning, I'd say, listen, rich young ruler, God entrusts some of his stuff to us to steward and manage as he directs to care for ourselves and the people in our care and then spread the rest around. Give it away. That's the last point that, that uh, our quote said. And this is what Jesus tells the young ruler. Give it away. 
He says it not just there, but in Matthew chapter 5, he says it again. He says, when people ask you for something, can we just take a breath and read this together? Take a deep breath. When people ask you for something, say it with me. When people ask you for something, give it to them. Let's just stop right there. When people ask you for something, give it to them. When they want to borrow money, lend it to them. You go, okay, Jesus, there's got to be some backstory. There's got to be some nuance in this. There's got to be more to this story. This can't be it. This cannot be the final word. I'm going to leave Jesus and the Holy Spirit to nuance that with you, but I want to say this. If someone needs something more than I do, I need to give it to them. Our community is really good about generosity. There was a house fire two, three weeks ago, and we put a little word out, hey, does anyone have some resources for them? Within about an hour and a half, they said, okay, stop, because we've got everything we need. We've got more. We don't know what we're going to do with all this stuff. This community is incredibly, incredibly generous. Good job. If, you got, if you're near someone, pat them on the back. Good job. Our dollar club last week, I put it out there that we were going to help someone with their security deposit for their apartment. You know what? We got $325 to help with that security deposit. Good job. You guys are generous. I love your generosity to the men and the people that, that, that deserve investment in. That's good. But, but we do need to remember that it's not just about the, the one-offs. It's about this attitude. Here's the truth. Our true wealth is not defined by what we own. Our true wealth is defined by what we give away. That's how Jesus defines it. Now, we don't have a rich young ruler here today. We have someone even better, someone who is learning and teaching others how to manage God's resources well. Andy Fish, Welcome, Andy Fish, to the platform with me this morning. Grab that microphone right there. So, Andy, have a seat. Congratulations on the pillow. I'm real excited Thank for you. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, when was the very first moment that you realized that money had power? Did it involve sautéed mushrooms? Surprisingly, it did not. <laughs> um, I would not eat sautéed mushrooms today, actually. But uh, when I think back to my first experience with money, I think about being a kid, and back then I was a huge collector of basketball cards. That was pretty much my life in elementary school. So having money meant I could buy basketball cards. Yeah. There was a, there was a Beckett that would tell you the value of all the cards, so I just memorized that. So I knew if I had 20, 30 bucks, I knew exactly what I could get with that money, and that was power back then. Now, we didn't talk about this, but are any of those ba uh, basketball cards worth anything today? Some of them are, most of them no. Nothing Not like another 600, retirement strategy. Yeah, okay. Nothing okay. like large okay. Wallace, okay. no. <laughs> so, Andy, you, you, you guys realize that um, everything you have is God's and that you are just stewards. You, you do understand that. And you understand that it can dramatically shape the perspective and the attitude we have about our possessions. What has that meant and what does that look like for your family? Yeah, so that's, you know, like everything, it is a work in progress, but... You know, the first thing I, I think about is that reminds us that it's not ours. You know, it is God's. We are stewarding it. Um, and so I think it opens your eyes to the needs of others. 
Um, one thing that we try to do is we think about our most important resources, our time and our money, is to plan ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, be thoughtful, intentional with how we use that. So every month we're planning ahead on the calendar. What What's our priorities? And it's, you know, going to be God, family, and friends. You know, where do we spend our time? And then with our money, it's the same thing. It just looks like a budget. Yeah. So we plan out how we're going to spend our money, how we're going to give our money. So that way we're being thoughtful and intentional because I think if you don't, it's easy for it to slip away and yeah. you kind of wonder where it went. You used a word that many of us are not familiar with, budget. That's right. How do you spell that? Uh, <laughs> um, Jesus says... Give to the one who asks, but do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Okay, so this is really uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable talking about it because, you know, you, you, the echo bounces right back into, into my face. So we're called to be radically generous. What does that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so for us, you know, when you look at the Bible, of course, first and see what, what does the Bible say, well, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. I did not tell him to use this scripture, by <laughs> the way. He did not. He did not. It's true. Um, but basically what that meant back then was bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse of the temple. So that was used there locally. So I believe that means the, the tithe, the first 10% of our, of our earnings should come to the local church. I believe that's what the Bible says. And so I think that's where the tithe should come. Uh, offerings or anything above the tithe, I think then really it's just about what your passion is. Uh, for Kelsey and I, it's, it's kids. Um, <laughs> so we, uh, we love to give to um, like Compassion International, World Vision. Those are a couple organizations that um, take care of kids and their villages all around the world. Um, so we love to, to be a part of the, those ministries. Uh, Operation Christmas Child, of course, when it's shoebox time, we love to fill shoeboxes yeah. and, and support that ministry. So I think it's really what you're passionate about, um, finding ways that you can give back and help others. And then I think you mentioned earlier, you know, the house fire, the dollar yeah. club, you know, just being aware of the needs as they arise, you know, so having a plan of here's how you want to give, but then when the opportunity knocks and you see a need that you have, somebody walking down the street with their clothes in a, in a trash bag going to uh, the laundromat, that you're open and aware and you, you take time to stop and to help. Yeah, that's fantastic. Your girls are very young right now. I don't think you've got them in the Dave Ramsey course just yet. <laughs> but what are you teaching them? How are you teaching them what it means to be generous and how to manage money and how to think about money? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think really the first thing to teach a kid and, and parents out there know this is it's about realizing that everything isn't just theirs. You know, mine, mine, mine is kind of what, what kids obviously think. But I think the same thing I would tell them is what I would tell everybody. The number one most important thing, in my opinion, about handling money is giving. It's not keeping, you know, as important as saving is and paying down debt, investing, you know, all those things are very important, but it starts with giving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm not a believer that you give to get a return, but I think God blesses yeah. a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. And I think that is really the most important thing. And if you start giving at an early age, or even if later on in life, if you start to give, I think it changes your whole outlook on money. And I think that's what it means where your treasure is there, your heart yeah. will be. It's not the other way around. So where your money is going, your heart will follow that. Yeah. Appreciate what you shared this morning. Now, anytime I talk with Andy, I'm thinking about financial peace. Anytime I talk about financial peace, I want to, I want to, I want to lift it up. So we're going to do that. I've got a a box over here, the financial peace class. You teach this class. Tell us a little yes. bit about it, about it. Yeah, absolutely. So financial peace university. We've taught that here uh, in the past. We're going to be teaching that again starting March 10th. Uh, that will be Thursdays at six o'clock. Uh, we have some flyers out in the lobby at the welcome desk if anybody wants to pick one of those up. But really the class 
is based on biblical principles. What does God say about handling money? And then it teaches very practical advice about budgeting, yeah. saving, paying down debt, um, all the things that are important that help us better steward God's money because the more effective you are with handling your money, the more freely that you can give away, yeah. which is really what it all comes back to. I've told folks here before, I did this class about 14 years ago, 13, 14 years ago, transformed my life really. And it was, it was all stuff that I knew, but the practical application of that took some adjustment, but at the end of it, you're like, I never want to go back to that old way of thinking again. So I do. I have a box right here that I'm going to give to the away this morning. And Anyone just, first of all, say, hey, I'm interested. Andy's taken off. And so he's got, he's, he's also the chairman of the, of the deacon board right. at our Sherwood Oaks campuses. So, uh, Good job. You're talking oh. to someone. We're lucky to have your time here this morning. He is also, let me just tell you this, Andy is also exploring God's plan for his life in the role of preaching and ministry. So alternate Sundays, when he is not here, he is at a little church down west of Springville called Popcorn, Popcorn Christian Church, and he's going to be preaching down there. You've done that several times now yes, already, I have. Yep. but uh, so we're excited for you. That is, you. I mean, I hate that you're not here, but I love the fact that God's using you down there to, with people that I love called Thank family. You. So that's great. But anyway, Andy's not going to be here after the service. So here's your opportunity to say, I want to do that financial peace class. And if you will raise your hand up real quick, you can come up here and get this box. Uh, someone back there, someone back there wants to do it. He's, he's, I think he's eight, six. Yeah. Buddy, when you can afford your own mushrooms, you can take that class. Anyone? Anyone? Going? 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 It's up here if you need it. Get it and then talk to Andy. We've got a couple of weeks before that class starts so yep. they can talk with you afterwards. Andy, thank you very much. My pleasure, Tim. Can, can everyone say thank you to our, our, our um, financially wise young ruler? Thank you, Tim. Here's the deal. Uh, I... I am not Mother Teresa. I have not taken a vow of poverty to give away everything I've got. Jesus told the, that guy to do that. He, he's not told all of us to do that. But the challenge sort of still holds, doesn't it? So I, I, I don't, I'm not Mother Teresa. I, I'm also not one of those TV preachers that's getting rich off the backs of their congregation. Yeah, I'm not that either. I'm somewhere in the middle, like probably most of us are. We're somewhere in the middle. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this is the most dangerous place to be. Because, here's what happens, we read what Jesus says and we go, okay, oh, that's good. We nod our head. We say, okay, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep all my stuff, but I'm just going to develop this sort of spiritual detachment from it. And that inner detachment is great. That's good. But Jesus calls us to completely untangle ourselves from the lure and the power of money. Andy said it. Andy said it and Jesus said it before him. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart is going to lean. Now this requires a complete shift in allegiance. Jesus also says you can't serve two masters. So it's not that we just slowly, we slowly back away. I think we have to say, once and for all, I have one master, Jesus. 
Everything else is secondary to him. Because you have to obey one. You can't obey both. You're, you have to love one. You, you can't love both, Jesus says. And if that makes you sad, then you can join the rich young ruler. He was sad too. He couldn't do it. He wasn't willing to completely entrust his life and his resources to Jesus. And we shake our heads and we say, oh, man, he missed out on so much. But we can do worse. We can lie to ourselves. At least he was honest. We can lie to ourselves and say, okay, yes, Lord, you are Lord, you are Lord, and yet still hold a part of something back. This part I want to keep for myself. I want to have sautéed mushrooms. I want to hoard my Beanie Babies. I paid a lot for that washing machine. Don't mess it up. As we come to this time of communion, this could be an opportunity for you to do a sort of a gut check about where you and your stuff stand with God. As I said, he didn't command the rich young ruler to do that. He invited him to. He said, he said, do this then. Sell all you have and then follow me. And, and that invitation to sell up and follow me is really hard for us. And Jesus knew it was really hard for that rich young ruler too. I love what verse 21 says though. If you look at that scripture again, in verse 21, the scripture says that Jesus looked at him and what? Loved him. You may not be rich. You may not be young. You may wield absolutely no earthly authority. But I have a strong suspicion that there's something that always tempts us to allow it to come between us and that full relationship, full obedience to God. But know this. Jesus looks at you with love. He says, I know. I know. I know it's hard. But look, <laughs> here's my hand. Let go of that and take hold of me. You can trust his heart. He loved that rich young ruler, and he loves you too. You can trust his character. God is good. You can trust his faithfulness. No good thing, this, the psalmist wrote, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly, who trust him with everything. And I love this. We can live at our mission more fully when we let him use what we've got. <laughs> Here's the deal. If you love mushrooms, sautéed mushrooms like I do, you know what you need to do? Make a big bowl of them and invite people to share it with you. Don't invite Andy. He doesn't like them. But invite others to join you, enjoying that big bowl of mushrooms. Man, if you've got some beanie babies, give those to some kids. We've got an agape house, foster house program that's opening here in our community. Man, beanie babies are great toys. Give those beanie babies to someone who will really love and cherish them. Maybe you've got a washing machine that you paid a lot of money for. It's a nice washing machine. Think, how can I use that washing machine? How can I use my car? How can I use my patio? How can I use fill in the blank? Will you do it? I don't want you to go away sad today. Say yes to that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the way that you love us. You love that rich young ruler. You loved us. You demonstrated that love on the cross.
So this morning as we take the bread and the cup, we recognize that you, you laid down your life. You gave it all. You left everything that was by rights yours to claim to become a servant. I love that old hymn, take my silver, take my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Jesus, we thank you for reaching out to us and inviting us into mission and life with you. May anything that keeps us from that fully and completely be put in its proper place and kept there. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.